Blood Brothers Podcast, a Five Pillars Production. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, my dear brothers, sisters, friends, and the foes out there, and welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your host. Didi Hussain. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind all the Yavid podcast listeners that you can find this episode amongst all the other episodes on all the major audio platforms. And if you're watching this via YouTube, don't be cheeky. Remember to click subscribe. Today's guest is someone who is very unique in what she does. I would say she is perhaps one of the most unique guests that we've had across all 80 plus episodes because of uh, what she does for a living or one of the many things that she does for a living she's joining us from philadelphia in the united states and that is sister mecca nandi aka the co-wife coach salam alaikum sister mecca how are you alhamdulillah i'm good good thank you so much for coming on and this podcast has been in the making for nearly half a year right Alhamdulillah, yes, oh my goodness, yes indeed But Allah is the best of planners at the end of the day, Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah um, I'm going to get straight into today's topics um, The overwhelming conversation will be pertaining to polygynous marriages uh, or, or that marital family makeup And I first came about your profile and what you do in terms of um, coaching co-wives um, on Instagram, it was a sponsored post, um, and I was, I was, I was, I was quite taken back. I was, I was, I was, it was intriguing because you always hear people who have marital issues go to mashaykh, right, or to a Sharia mm-hmm. council, or if there's some issue or dispute, you'd go to your local imam. I've never heard of someone who coaches co-wives, so it, it was that very unique for me. How how did that come about? Like like what does that entail? Coaching a co-wife. Well, I don't just coach co-wives. It's more so women because it's a lot of the women that I speak with. They may not necessarily be in polygyny. They may be going into it. They may be currently in it. They may be. They may need assistance and support as far as from a previous polygynous situations or those who just want to be educated on the topic. But how I came about it is me practicing it and i remember throughout my journey i didn't really have someone to help me understand a lot of the different things that i was going through emotionally and it just was like oh my gosh so it's like almost a lot of the things that i speak on as far as with the women that i speak to as far as my clients i really actually had to go through those things myself and and alhamdulillah it's like um this really started almost 20 years ago because remember i've been married alhamdulillah for 26 plus years and in polygyny for almost 20 years so my process people think and they see me now they're like oh you're so positive and this and that and you must not deal with any of those things i'm like yeah i do i did i did and i still do but it's it's a difference between the previous situation and my current situation as far as how I handle it or, as I like to say, how I navigate through some of those different emotions. But having support, I noticed that there was no support out there for the women that were going through these processes or the journeys. And I decided to like take my own personal experiences that I also journaled. Like, I didn't just go through it. I actually journaled it throughout the whole way. 
in order for me to have a better understanding. And again, Allah makes no mistakes because obviously that was also something for me to put together as a provided, supported, um, uh, uh, I, I, you know what? It's, it's a blueprint to a support system that was lacking in our community. That's what I wanted to say. And that's that's fantastically put. And and if I can't, if I may just rewind a little bit because you have referred to your personal experience as mm-hmm. being the kind of framework in being able to at least connect, bare minimum, to be able to at least connect and empathise with Absolutely. those who are considering it, are currently in it, and so forth. So your personal experience, Alhamdulillah, you've been uh, in a marriage for twenty eight years, of which twenty were. Pol- no, 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 twenty six. 26 plus, yeah. yeah. 26 years, of which, how many of those years were polygynous, as in you, there was another wife involved? Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh, were you the first wife? I am. Okay. Look, so many of our viewers and listeners are going to have like very basic kind of simple questions, right? Mm-hmm. I too have them as well. Can I ask them, please? Absolutely, and I don't want you to. Th- I don't want you to consider them simple questions. Those are important questions in order for you to be able to have understanding and clarity of the practice within itself. Do you speak to the other co-wife? Absolutely, I have two co-wives. I'm one of three wives, and you were the first of three. Yes. Do I, do the other two co-wives have children from your husband? Uh, yeah. Do all your children? Do all your children get along? They absolutely do. They they are brothers and sisters. Wicked. And they have three moms and they know they have three mothers. And they see each other daily. They see their mothers daily. And I, you heard I said mothers. And they see their father daily as well. And we don't live in the same house. We have separate homes. Alhamdulillah. Can, is it a requirement for co-wives to get along for a polygynous marriage to be successful? From your experience? <laughs> It's not a requirement, but it is what I like to say is it's not a requirement to have a friendship, but it is a, a requirement to have a sisterhood. And that sisterhood doesn't necessarily mean that you, you guys have to hang out and do all these great things. But if anything, um, it, you have a cordial respect and care for one another. So that way, if for some reason, if there is some type of thing that needs to be done together or collectively, you can do so in a mature manner without losing your cool. And that's a that's a clean way of me saying that. <laughs> without losing without losing your cool and understanding that you may feel jealousy because I don't want people to think that I'm trying to sugarcoat things and make it look all perfect because it's not. And, but it's not as hard as you think neither. But at least you're allowing yourself to be able to move throughout that process as far as amongst one another. Even if you do feel inklings of jealousy, which we'll talk about later. So, I mean, we don't talk about it later. We can get into it right now. But (laughs) when the proposition was initially made to you by your husband, I'm assuming, how was it done? How was this idea of him getting married again proposed to you? How did it come about? How did you take it? How did you feel? Well, well, it started before we married. This was a part of the courting process. He was some. He comes from a polygynous family, and he said that this may be something that he practices in the future. And if I was okay with that, open to it, or if that was going to be problematic, and I could actually respect that he and 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 I'm happy that he gave me that option and that 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 choice. 
for me to be able to say yes, no, maybe so. Um, and I saw the dynamics of his family and I was like, why not? Because I mean, like, this isn't bad. So as, after we married, now mind you, we were teenagers. We were two weeks after we graduated, um, high school or you might call it secondary school. Um, and we, we talked about it for the years that we were in monogamy. Like it wasn't like we, it was a constant conversation, but it was something that I, we talked about. It was something that I also observed from his family, was able to talk to his other moms because he has five other moms. That's right. So, and they weren't five all at one time. Let's just say that. But just because somebody divorces doesn't necessarily mean that that's no longer your mom. That's someone that that's still a part of his his growing up, his raising. So um, I spoke with them and I observed and also read a lot. And but there's nothing like actually being in it. So when that time came um, where he was open to it and I actually even made a a jokingly suggestion when I thought that we were that I was going to be going overseas for a few years to to study and you know we have businesses here and so that meant that he wasn't going to be there with me the whole time and I was like oh well you're going to need another wife and even though we were saying that and in in fun I said that in fun and in, in a joke there was some seriousness about it that as far as for me, because the way that it came out of my mouth, it was so easy. It was no issues. It was no problems, this, that, and the fourth. So I would say months later, that's when the journey began. And he even was, he even was like, okay, well, if this is going to be something that we're going to embark on, I want you to be inclusive. I want you to help me. You know, as far as speaking with whomever it is that I may be courting with, because one thing's for sure, two things for certain. Men know men and women know women. So that that was like, you know, a part of the courting process when it came to him seeking out a second wife. And I had no problem with it. Were you involved in the process of vetting prospects? I wouldn't say, well, yeah, I talked to a few people. And, and, and I talked to a few people and yeah, so I, I would say, yes, I was a part of the vetting process the, for the first, the first, for the first one, I would never do it again, but <laughs> it was definitely, you know, first time for everything. And I would never do it again only because at the end of the day, that's something that I think is best for him. It's nothing wrong with you meeting that person, but it was, it was definitely a process. And the funny thing is, um, my co-wife wound up being someone that actually worked for our company. And this was like, it was so funny. And it was so fun. It was like, it was really like, wow. Because you hear women sometimes say, oh, if, you know, if, I, if my husband was to marry another wife or wanted to be like a best friend or a close friend. And she was actually a close friend to his sister. She was one of her best friends. And um, and it was, again, like I said, someone that worked with us. And I, I saw her as a little sister. So it was just like naturally like, okay, that's fine. When it came to the welcoming in and they obviously, they got along and it went and we, we had, obviously they moved forward and they, they were married. So I have loads of other little mini questions that that's yes. bad from the, the, what you've just told me. Um, how did your family take to it? Were, were they open, were they accepting of... Well, my mom 
Um, and that's there's even a video that I have on one of my social media platforms where I spoke with my mom and she was like, what? Like, huh? And my mom is not Muslim, nor is she a polygynous woman. So she was like, are you sure that's what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, this is I don't have a problem with it. She said, is he still going to be taking care of you? I said, yes, ma'am. She she asked me, um. Are you still going to have, you know, certain things that you've already been acquired to having? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, and you're fine with it? I said, I absolutely am. She said, well, if you're fine with it, I'm fine with it. Because at the end of the day, this is your life, not mine. And I support you in it. And my mom loves my co-wives and all of our children. And she sees her, she sees, she sees my co-wives as her daughters. And she sees all of the children, regardless of who birthed them, as her grandchildren. And again, this is my mother who is not Muslim. But she also sees how our husband actually takes care of our family and actually puts family first in a lot of different ways. And how could you be mad at something like that? How could you not support it? So it's it's been a blessing. And my father was a little different, though. It was a little different with my dad. But not he true. came around. Yes, he can he definitely came around. Is your father a Muslim? My I no, none of my family are Muslims as far as my mother and my father. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide all your beloved ones to Islam. I mean. I mean, I mean. Um jealousy of wives is something that the Ummul Mu'mineen, may Allah be pleased with them all, weren't free of. You know, the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu oh. were jealous of one another. There's the famous example of an Aisha, a mother Aisha, anha, she said something about Khadija. Along the lines, paraphrase, am I not younger? Uh, and she was someone who was older. And the Prophet was he was not impressed with that response. And he defended Khadija. There's narrations pertaining to the visitations that the Prophet used to do to uh, multiple wives. And some used to know that he's been to another wife's house from what he's eaten and stuff like this. So there's, there's, there's various narrations which show that there was jealousy amongst the wives of the Prophet Muhammad So you would naturally think that the women of this ummah wouldn't be free from this. Is jealousy sharing a husband, sharing his affection, having to share his love and everything, is jealousy pass and parcel? Is it synonymous to a polygynous marriage? Absolutely. I mean, jealousy, but we have to understand something. Jealousy is an emotion, okay? Jealousy is actually a natural emotion, especially for women. Now, you gave all of those beautiful examples of the mothers, of the believers, alhamdulillah. Now, we have to look at something else because we look at the reactions. But what, as far as like, you know, when they're in that jealous state. But one of the things that we kind of, we, we, we don't pay too much attention to is controlling that jealousy. You, you will never get a, a, a rid of jealousy because again, we're human. You know, it is a part of life. It is a part of being a human being. Men get jealous too, by the way. So, yes. So it's all about how you allow it to either lead, mislead you, meaning are you going to allow it to control you or are you going to control it? Because even in those in those um, narrations that you gave, 
especially when it was with Khadija, I'm sorry, especially when it was with Aisha radiallahu anha and Hafsa radiallahu anha, when they both were showing uh, faces of jealousy and how in the end they were given an ultimatum. They were given the opportunity to either stay in the marriage or go. So, and, 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 and did they, did they stay or did they go? So that means that they were able to find a way to get it together. And that's what we have to do. It's like, okay, yes, those jealous moments come, but what is it guiding us to? Is it showing us, okay, this is a weakness that I may have. Let me get better control of it. Let me see how I can be in more control of this particular emotion. Because when we have other emotions, we like uh, it could be um anger we all know that the what the best one or the strongest one is the one who controls what his anger holds back in fact the, hadith, the hadith actually specifically mentions this. it's only because it's, it's in context of wrestling the prophet said yeah. the strongest among you is not the strong wrestler but the one who holds back his anger in a fit of rage that's the absolutely yeah Absolutely. And jealousy can be it can come become enraging. Let's just say that. Let's 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 be real. That emotion can develop into other emotions that can be very detrimental to one's spiritual self as well as their emotional and mental self and physical self, not, let alone the marriage. So if we allow ourselves to go there, these are some of the consequences that come along with it. But when we see that that jealousy is an emotion, we have to find ways to control it. And this is what I tell some of the women that I speak with or I work with personally. I always say, give yourself, and this is what I do myself, by the way, because just because I'm in this particular situation and it's been great years, there are still moments where I do have jealous moments people say oh you don't get jealous anymore yes i do but it's about how i deal with it it's like you and, and i even in another um recording that i did um with my mother she thought she thinks that i don't deal with jealousy because she doesn't see it that's because i have steps to be able to to deal with it sometimes we can see it sometimes if you're able to control it and discipline it enough no one will ever see it and you won't even act upon it. And if we even and, and, and when you don't act and when when you do not act upon something that is um disobedient to Allah or that could be a bad deed, we you know when you, you think it and you feel it but you don't act upon it, what is that? It's it's a reward. You gain reward for that. So it's just like, you know, look at the greater good in it in a sense when it comes to jealousy, understanding that it that is a beast that can be controlled, inshallah. Uh, Sister Mecca, if I were to ask you a question, it, it, some would regard it, a, regard it as a sweeping generalization. I believe there to be truth in this statement. Do you believe that men, irrespective of their faith, Muslim and non-Muslim, men are polygynous by nature? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, whether they choose to act upon it or not is another story. So... In the spectrum of polygynous males, so this is how I understand it, there is a spectrum and I believe especially in a very hypersexualized society in the West, a lot of those polygynous urges are actually being fulfilled in many haram and subtle ways so they actually never need to think of marrying someone else. Um, right, right. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? 
Yes. So in a society where you've got you've got so much uh, nakedness and, 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 and women that are being used commercially to, to to sell everything from toothpaste to toys to sweets to chocolates to cars to you name it um, you're working with uh, females in the workplace you're studying with them conversations and dialogue and engagement it's much more you can have friendships and so that kind of polygynous urge is actually being fulfilled in other parts of your life. Right. And so therefore getting married again as per the Sharia is not something that's a viable option because guess what? Your polygynous urge is being fulfilled by, you may not know this, but a colleague at work that you might find attractive that you like chatting to mm-hmm. or, or, or a peer that you're studying with or do you understand what I'm trying to say? And, right, and, right. You, and you get that spectrum uh, of those who are highly polygynous by their nature, may cut, they have a huge appetite, but may not have the, 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 the practical, the financial... Uh, or even the maturity, the, the, the emotional maturity, intelligence that's required to actually manage such a setup. But they'll they'll speak a big game, and then there'll be others who I believe are also problematic. That believe like polygynous is like uh, like an unsaid crime, right? Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, Sister Mecca, when you look at the Muslim majority world, right? So I'm talking about as east as Morocco, towards no no as west as Morocco, towards east as Indonesia. To as north as the Caucasus, to the south as Tanzania, there are some parts of the Muslim world where polygyny is not a big thing. Like I have Senegalese friends and Sierra Leone friends who say, "Look, in, in our cultures, you, you're weird if you have one wife." Like people look at you like, "Is everything all right there? Why is my guy only got one wife?" Similar in Somalia, Yemen, Afghanistan, many of the the Gulf countries, polygyny isn't a big thing. It's actually normal in many segments of society. But then you look at South Asia. Where my heritage is from, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, you know, see, you know, second marriage is like a dirty secret. It's like something yeah. a, an aging man does because I don't know because he's got tired and bored of it. It's not seen positively. It's let alone encouraged, right? So we have that spectrum, right? And a sister watching this podcast would think, why would I even entertain getting into this? Why would I even? Remotely think about having to share my husband. Why would a polygynous setup work for some Muslim women and men? Why would it work? Why is it actually sometimes better than another alternative situation? Because people will be watching this and be like, who, who, who wants to be jealous? Why do I need to worry about what my husband's doing with his second or third wife tonight when he's not here with me? Right, these are very normal thoughts that are going to happen. I've heard it at universities when I go and give talks. What would you say? You know, you said a lot. Okay, so so let me break it down first. So, so, okay, okay, so let's, okay, so let me break it down first. And I'll do it. So, so there's three pieces. How do we explain the normative polygynous nature of men to our sisters, to our women? Because it's hard for many to accept. It's many it's hard for it's, some it's to even simple. fathom it. It's really simple. Just be upfront. Be upfront, especially because a lot of men hide the fact that they are polygynous or that they feel this way, and they dupe their 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 potential wives and their current wives, you know, when they were courting, into thinking that that's nothing. That's not something that they would ever do. Mm-hmm. Now. It's nothing. I mean, and, and, and at that very time, maybe when they were courting and be, when they got married, maybe they weren't. 
Maybe he what maybe those men may not have been thinking about polygyny. But for some reason, something came up later on in the future. Things change. People change changes. And so the circumstances have those conversations. But we as women, because I mean, it's but so much I can say about the men. I only can speak from the women's experience. It's but so much that we we I mean, like we have to also be mindful that this is a possibility. Now, I can also put it on the men who tell those women that this is nothing that you have to worry about. Because now that that woman, she has her mind set up. She doesn't, that's nothing that she's going to think about, read about, listen to, study, research, sit around others that may be like that, or even entertain, you know, any type of conversation, regardless if it's debatable or not, in those, in that area, because it has nothing to do with her. Because her husband already told her. You have nothing to worry about. That's nothing I'm never going to do. So, brothers so, and sisters, so, viewers and listeners, uh, sorry to interject. What Sister Mecca is yeah. saying here, the, her advice to brothers here, please, brothers, listen to this attentively, especially those of you who are bachelors and are still looking for your first wife, or you could already be in mind. What, what Sister Mecca is saying here is that, look, guys, if you, if, if you don't ever rule it out or tell your wives or prospectors that it will definitively never happen, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Especially if you know that you have that in you it could may well happen you shouldn't you shouldn't give them that false sense of it will never happen for it to then happen which will be far more problematic i'm assuming right now also and again to the women they may if they said that in the beginning if they gave that impression that may really have been how they felt but we also have to understand over time we change we refine certain things that we used to practice, we no longer practice. And, and some things that we never practiced before, now we've taken on as something that we, we, we now do, whether it be within practice of religion, career, or personal life, whatever. People evolve, they change. So you want to at least be open to hearing what that is, because sometimes we can scare off the, 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 the open conversation by simply, you know, threatening them by saying oh no you said you would never do that why would we even talk about that you know if this ever happened that i'm going to leave you and that and and to some men that that makes them scared whether they want to admit it or not but i also want to say one thing for the brothers too that you also have to prepare yourself just because you may want something and this may be something that may be in you you have to also make sure that you're prepared to be able to practice it correctly because these are other people's lives that we're talking about that you are now um responsible for this is not this is not like your 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 kid playing house this is serious business this is other women's as as well as uh potential if not current children that we're speaking about and their emotions their emotional state and their well-being that is also involved in this so prepare yourself educate yourself be able to speak with some some people that may be practicing it successfully in order for you to have some idea as to how you would want to possibly practice it if it is something that you you know choose to do in the near or far future um the second part of my spiel to you was um how do we explain to um sister it's kind of still linked but you, you the reason why i say is i've heard some really really sad stories sister mecca wallahi i've spoken to brothers who said my wife he's not justifying his sin here but he's saying my wife 
knows that I have a, p- a porn addiction, right? Mm-hmm. And she's content with that than for me to get married again. Or she knows, we've heard of cases where certain women have said, I don't care if he has a mistress. I don't care. So long as it doesn't come out in public that I'm having to, subhanAllah, so, so it is more dishonorable to some, and by some I mean it, those cases I've heard of, it is more dishonorable to be a co-wife or to be in a polygynous marriage, which is absolutely permissible as per Islam, than the major sin of her husband committing zina with someone, but because it's a mistress and she never has to share him properly, she can live with that. I, we've heard these stories, these stories exist. Um, what would your advice be, be to those sisters who have accepted haram over halal because they don't want to share their husbands or, or, they, or, the, or they're going to make it difficult for them to get married again? What would your advice be to those sisters? Well, I, I definitely know some of those sisters. One of the reasons why they may feel that way is because they feel like that they're the only emotional connected party to to that that man and they don't care about whatever on on a, the other end of again like you said uh if they're watching porn or if they're you know they have mistress or some people in other parts of the world call it side chick and there's no you know they not they're not truly committed and responsible for those parties so they're they're fine with that but as long as they don't see it when it comes to polygyny, there is more of a commitment. There is more of an openness of practice of it. And that is problematic to them because at this point, it is no longer nefsi nefsi. It's no longer me, me, me. It's, uh-oh, there's someone else. And then that's where a lot of other emotional uh, instincts like competition, comparison um, come into play. And even in some cases, that's where a heightened of insecurities come into play. Now, I'm going to say this as far as to the sisters. When it comes to halal or haram, it is never, I mean, like we want, we want the good. We should want the best for our families. We should want the best for our children, but also that make sure you, you, you feel the same way about your husband. Why is it that you you have a problem with him being married to someone and being in a halal type situation where it's not detrimental to his soul compared to something that is going to possibly put him deeper and deeper into the hellfire. So with that being said, that's like that, that those are questions that we have to ask ourselves because everybody's answer is not going to be the same. Some people, they, they deal with that or they, they're, they're reasons for, not having a problem with those two things that you mentioned is because of some personal things or issues or um, beliefs that they may have and as well as past experiences that they may have also had and on top of that we also we also have to understand that people also whether they recognize it or not they care about what other people think because you notice when you said the mistress you when he, she doesn't mind if he has a mistress as long as no one knows, right? But it's different when he marries because when you marry, especially in Islam, you have walima. The public knows they're informed. You know, you they, they they know. So now it's a matter of: Are you living your life for Allah? Or are you living your life for other people? 
Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself that question. Spanish, like, you know, tell me about how you got into coaching then. Tell me how you went from uh, being in a monogamous marriage to a polygynous mm-hmm. one to then now, when, when, how did that transition, that decision, that, that, that move happen? How did that come about? So, Technically speaking, I am an award-winning chef and an award-winning dairy-free ice cream maker. Smashed so, up. So Give me a shout-out. What's the ice cream? <laughs> Give it. Okay, one of my award-winning ice creams is a rosemary-infused ice cream with the black garlic coconut caramel swirl. So, yes, mashallah. So, um, I definitely um, was not. This was not the thing. This is. This was not the move for me. But your Insta like, handle is co-wife coach, though. It, Say that again. I, I'm sure your Insta handle is the co-wife coach, right? It is. It is. It is. So, th- but this is the thing. Me becoming the co-wife coach started before I was the co-wife coach. Because I've always been advising people from day one. Like, I, whether it was my brothers or if it was um, maybe younger people in my community. And then once, you know... Um, once uh, in our marriage, we had some 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 years in. People started recognizing a youth marriage when we were in monogamy, and people would ask questions and so on and so forth. But it really the co-wife coaching thing started when we were in our marriage in polygyny for maybe about I would say two years, one to two years, and there it, it, the first year people would see um, our family. Because the one thing about our husband is he does not hide, you know, his his family. He's like, yes, that's my wife, that's my wife, yes, and that's my wife too, all in the same breath while we're out. So there's there's no um, there's no hesitation or embarrassment or hiding. But we used to go out as a family. Fridays we would go to Juma, and then after Juma we would um, together, and then after that we would go to lunch. And maybe a movie or bowling or something. We would do something like as a family. And that was um, a tradition that carried on for many years, even up to when we there was four wives. And we would rotate where he would go out with three wives. One wife would stay home with the kid, kids. And um, so that way they can have that bonding time with the children. And then the other wives would have that bonding time as far as with each other and him because at this time we're still kind of getting to know each other it's still kind of new um and we would rotate every week so whoever didn't stay you know whoever stayed with the uh the children that week next week they would be out with the family and someone else would stay so it was like it was he had planned like the the way that he strategically planned his polygynous journey and how he wanted his family to be it was really beneficial because people would see him with his his wives in the community and brothers would say can your wife talk to my wife and it was always me because they saw that the first wife wasn't having any problems or issues and that she seemed to be getting along with her co-wife and co-wives so like can you talk to my wife so that way I can kind of like you know add in another one without it being problematic and that's kind of how it started for me so I like this I I say that I was underground for a long time before I publicly started um sharing my my business as far as being a co-wife coach and I know you must deal with uh, an array and, and various issues 
what are some of the common ones that you deal with uh, when, when people come to your services requiring your professional advice in Nasiha? What is a common theme? What are some of the common things um, that come up? I'm assuming one of the common things must be that my husband spends more time with the other wife than, than me. Like there's abandonment issues in terms of him being perhaps unjust in his uh, time management. Right, um, right. Maybe even things pertaining to intimacy where he, he's depriving one wife over the other. I'm assuming these are common issues. Those are common issues as well as jealousy. Jealousy is number one. Jealousy, jealousy is number one. Um, jealousy is number one. Again, like you said, um, just adjusting, just uh, adjusting to the changes of time spent, especially when it comes to first wives that have been used to being in monogamy for so many, you know, years or months, depending on the situation and how they have to adapt to the changes of, of, you know, time structuring and, also, you know, feeling like favoritism may be uh, something that is, is, is played. And it's not always, you know, the first wife feeling like he favors his new wife. No, sometimes the new wife may feel like he favors his, his, his pre-existing wife because, you know, maybe she's emotionally, you know, adapting and he wants to make sure that she's okay. And, you know, she feels as though that he's missing out. So it's all kind of different things um, that kind of go back to the adjusting of it all i like to call it the adjustment period the adjustment period kind of like um it it, kind of houses all of those different things that i just stated because it's adjusting of emotions adjusting to time adjusting to change adjusting to the structure of how you know you're you're you used to operate within your family there's a lot of different things that they have to adjust to how often do you deal with um Issues pertaining to um, misyar arrangements or secret marriages, secret polygynous mm. marriages. More often than than we would want to. It's so. Let's touch upon secret marriages. Let's 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 yeah. talk about because this this is an issue which has which 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 regularly rears its head within within community conversations in in Britain. I'm sure it's taking place in North America. Um, so a secret marriage uh, for our viewers and listeners would be where uh, a Muslim man gets remarried. Um, he doesn't tell his first wife. And basically, yeah, it's kind of self-explanatory, I guess. It's just a secret second marriage or a third marriage. Um, now, the argument for it would be, Sister Mecca, is we don't need the headache. Can't deal with the arguments. I know she's going to make my life hell. I'd rather try my chances and, you know, see how this kind of... Because you end up living a double life, sadly. And if you don't live that double life well and proportionately, then you're going to end up... You're going to have blind spots. And I've said this to a lot of brothers. Uh, just in conversation point, I'm like, look, guys, you know, if you, if you do anything that's secret, there's going to be a slip up somewhere. By the very nature of anything that's secretive, your behavior and the way you manage this particular issue... You know, there could be times where that secret is no longer secret. You know, imagine meeting your secret second wife. You're moving like you're in a in, a, in an adulterous relationship, right? That must be far more stressful than just being open about it. I don't know. I don't know. Some brothers, some brothers I've conversed with, some du'at uh, that have practiced this in the past, that do not advise it. 
uh, that actually discourage it and from their own experiences that look man sometimes it's better not to have so much transparency so much commitment so much yeah you know ev- everything and everyone's up in everyone's business and you know sometimes it's just best to just live your life with her live your life with her it's best they don't meet best they don't know the 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 the, the least and little they know the better that's one of the defenses of the secret marriage what are your thoughts on that well just like you said that you the the, the some of the reasons why men may do it it's obviously it's not worth the headache as far as having that secret marriage because when the secret is revealed regardless if he tells her or if it's someone else or she finds out some way some somewhere or some way other than from his mouth then you're going to have to deal with from a woman's perspective he betrayed me he lied to me he's cheating on me why would he do such a thing I can't even look at him anymore. This is this is this is this is worse. Why didn't he just tell me? Why 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 wouldn't he even just be honest with me? Those are some of the things that you have to deal with, which is far more worse than if you were to just tell her. Because at least if you told her, you're at least giving her the 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 opportunity to make a decision. I say to those men, be true to who you are. Don't be scared about what the outcome is going to be. Because at the end of the day, Allah is going to guide us nonetheless. And if you're really doing it and you're really doing it for the right reasons, then it, 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 it should be no way that you or no um, no way that you should not include her. She should be included. She should at least know that this is something that you're going to do because she may bring some things to your attention if she chooses to stay. If she chooses to be like, okay, I'm going to be here. This is, I know this is going to be a problem, but at least make sure that you do this. Make sure that you're getting, you know, tested. Make sure that you're, that you speak with her Wali, her, you know, her Wali or her Raquel, you know, just, just bringing certain things to light that you would never expect. That you would never expect. Trust in Allah. Trust that Allah will guide you to that which is best for you. And if you tell her and she says, this is not something that I want to support. This is not something that I want to do. I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. And on top of that, you told me A, B, and C, and, and this is this, this is not it. And I want a divorce. That may sound like a bad thing. But it may not necessarily be as bad as it could be if you were to actually do the secret marriage and then she finds out and it literally uh, it it makes things 10 times worse 10 times worse so it's just like save yourself the heartache i mean the, the heartache the headache and 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 the the possibilities of that even be written against you because you because again like you said it's, it's almost like you're living a lie it is, and you 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 have to live to to some aspect, to some degree. You are living a lie. You're living a double life. You have your wife, your zoj, and, and that's, no one knows about, it and and it's secret. And you're literally moving like you're in an adult, you're like you're having an affair in a relationship which actually is sanctioned and allowed in Islam. Right, and, right. But 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 it is very common amongst those who embark on secret marriage they look i just can't deal with the headache man she's gonna make my life hell bruv she's gonna do my head in and i'd rather not her do my head in and just see how long this can happen until a time is right 
or something. But it's very common. I'm just telling you the defense that's out there that I would rather, yeah. I'd rather try my chance and take a risk in the secret marriage than having to explain because I know what's going to come. And I agree right, with right. you. And what you're basically saying is actually better to deal with whatever that is yeah. and have, being part of that conversation, giving her that respect to at least inform her, especially if she's the mother of your children and you know, you've know you been in a marriage with her for many years, then to do it secret and then hope that no one ever finds out. I don't think that's a sustainable option, to be honest, Sister Mecca. No. Um, how often do you deal with misyar arrangements? So arrangements where a co-wife has dispensed uh, some of her the rights that the husband would have to normally give in a, in a conventional nikah. Uh, it could be financial. It could be things to do with housing, accommodation. It could be do with physical time spent, so forth. But a misyar marriage is basically where there's a mutual dispensation of conventional rights and responsibilities. How often do you deal with misyar arrangements where something is initially agreed, but then things, the dynamics and the expectations very quickly change? That's not something that I, I commonly deal with. I can't, honest, yeah, honestly, I can't say that I, I deal with any. Have of you ever dealt with a, a misyar arrangement or, no, or coached no. or advised? No, because I guess in, in, no. Have you heard of these stories? Yeah, I've definitely heard of them, but they just haven't come to me. <laughs> they have not come to me. Yeah. So yes. that so, so that now leads me into my next topic of conversation. Now, there was a brother who I had on this podcast a couple of episodes before yourself. Uh, the brother's name is Mahdi Tijani, uh, a bit of a not a bit, quite a controversial figure, someone who's associated with the Red Pill movement. He himself has said that, and he's launched an app called No Strings Nika. Have you heard of this app? No, no. What do you think of the the, the app's name, No Strings Nika? What, what what do you just think of that? I'm just like, what does that what is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so I know it, with no strings attached, but I mean, how does that equivalent to Nika and Islamic marriage? Like, is the Wali Wakil involved? Like, yes. like, what do you what mean? Do you mean? Okay, because I, I, so you have to break that down to me because I have no clue. So, so Brother Mahdi, from my understanding, he's launched an app, a matrimonial app, uh, where sisters can look at prospective husbands to engage in a polygynous marriage, uh, and or because I know there's polygynous marriage marriages where there's conventional rights, right? So the rights of financial contributions, physical time, childcare, well, where all the various things that a normal marriage would have that setup could be very much there in a polygynous setup but i believe no strings nikah primarily caters for uh multiple divorcee women so women who have been in multiple marriages they've been divorced multiple times um they have children it's a teenage adult um career-driven women who don't want the commitment of a conventional marriage to cook and clean for him to tender for him, to care for him, to be a housemaker, housekeeper, you know, those things, those, those traditional roles that are generally associated with a conventional monogamous marriage, you know, she just needs someone as a companion and f to fulfill those needs that all humans have. So he has this app called No Strings Nika, where it is basically a misyar app, where basically you kind of mutually dispense some of those strings 
I don't like I personally have conveyed to the brother I don't like the wording of it but the strings here would obviously be the conditions and the, and the expectations the responsibilities that they mutually dispensed so it's an app that caters for such muslims so you're saying like for women that don't require ma- the maintenance yeah uh that don't require some of the maintenance yeah so a sister who uh, has a very good job uh very strong salary um needs a husband because she has physical needs and requirements but she doesn't need his financial help she doesn't need his financial contribution she doesn't even need him to be around more than 6 to 8 days a month for 4 to 6 days a month there'll be others who say look you know um i don't actually need you i actually need you physically here uh, i i i need help with x y and z the the, the variations are various uh, sister mecca i mean i've spoken to other mahdi the, the cases are very different um but it is to do with some sisters who don't who don't need who need who need financial help mm-hmm. sisters who just need the physical companionship uh it varies it varies and this app has received a significant amount of blowback um and criticism it says that look you know you're creating an atmosphere where my my language sisters are going to be passed around potentially they're not going to be protected right um and you know even though he does have wallies involved he's, he in fact he doesn't accept any proposals or matrimonial makeups without wallies involved so he does have the wallies involved he does actually even tell that look i don't accept the hanafi position that you can get married without your wali and all that kind of stuff no nope, a wali has to be involved so he's he's saying i'm doing all i can to keep it halal and make it permissible and to actually quote the brother he said This is the best solution to a bad problem and the bad problem is divorces, single mothers and people committing zina. Okay. <laughs> I you know to be honest with you everybody's dynamics are different, family dynamics regardless of his monogamy or polygyny. And there's going to be people who don't require certain things. I always feel that it is important to have that man that 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 husband to be doing if not everything mostly everything in order even if it's not required because over time you know with someone who with a woman that's taking care of everything and she doesn't really need anything from him this and the four the respect will dwindle you know because at this point she doesn't see like she doesn't really like what do I need you for And it's not to sit here and say that we he needs to take care of everything so we can feel um like we can we, so we can be attached to that person but it's just in, in nature it just it allows it doesn't allow the 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 feminine side to come out because sometimes you know women that are doing a large part of the maintenance there is it, it 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 takes you know and especially if they were you know doing this by themselves for so much time for so much time and and it will it will damper it will definitely damper on the connection as far as the balancing of male masculine and feminine energy within each person because you got to remember we both have we all have those two whereas one is one more, is more yeah I'm smiling because I'm smiling because the brother Jamal's here as well. Do you remember when Mahdi said that the vast majority of missile marriages will fail? Do you remember that Jamal? 
vaguely. Yeah, he said that. He he said that. Look, the vast majority of misyar arrangements that I have experienced don't work out. However, that said, that is better than committing zina and justifying that. So that's his uh, justification. I just thought I'd, I'd get your thoughts on that. This but secret, you you. But you're saying, wait a minute. You're meaning secret marriages. Misyar marriage, obviously, is where the mutual dispensation of rights and responsibility. That one, okay, okay, okay. And what and, 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 and what and what the brother says, what, what what the brother who made this app, he said that look, if you don't have these conversations, frankly, squarely, transparently, and I'll be honest with you, uh, many people don't like the language and tone that he uses. I've said that it's un-Islamic and it's crass and stuff like that. But the the asal of his point is that. If we are not honest and transparent about the polygynous nature of men, then these kind of things will happen. Secret marriages will happen. Your husband will seek to engage in a marriage with mutual dispensation where that woman then may change her mind. She may want her full rights six months into an arrangement which she thought would work for her. So that, that, that would be his defense. The source of criticism against him, the main one is that, look, what you're essentially doing, you know, is actually dishonoring the women. You're 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 prying on vulnerable women, desperate women, divorcees, widows, and what you're essentially doing is you're gonna you're gonna create a culture where our sister's gonna get passed around, right, through this app. Right? So that's the a conversation that's taking place in Britain at the moment, uh, online and offline. Absolutely. Just staying on the topic of men, right? Mm-hmm. You hear many sisters content creators, uh, YouTubers now, podcasters, sisters who podcast and stuff. You know, they talk about, look, we have no problems with polygyny, honey. Now, we're not going to make the halal haram and haram halal. Allah said in Surah An-Nisa, you know, you can have one and two and three and four, but the caveat is to be just. And we can all agree on this. We can agree that the shari'i caveat is to be just. However, sometimes, or many times, I feel that the very same sisters who talk about the men being just in a polygynous marriage create an ideal man that doesn't actually exist the way they describe it. Because I will now ask you, what is the ideal Muslim man for a polygynous marriage? We've had, so, so we've had quickly, so, so we've had, I've had many things. He has to be rich. He has to have money. Um, he needs to be quite a shadid type character. He needs to be quite strong-minded because if he's not strong-minded, how is he going to manage multiple wives? Yeah, um, Those are the two common things I've heard, that he needs to be quite strong-minded so he can't be passive. He needs to be somewhat alpha. Um, and he needs to have the emotional intelligence to deal with multiple emotions within Different households And number three Money always helps Being wealthy Always helps Those are the three things I've heard But I've also heard The same sisters Criticise these brothers Who tick those boxes So what I guess I'm saying is Is the ideal man Actually Not a reality It is and it is not (laughs) Because just like you said Like one Being a leader That man being a leader Is number one I would actually switch The way that you said it You said money And then you said Basically leadership um, I would switch it and say leadership and money, but not as much as you think um, is important or financial stability and education is important. But even if he had that, there would still be 
something else that would also be like you know possibly problematic um it's funny because you'll hear some some women also say well you know they see like celebrities and this that and the fourth people who obviously have money and they was like oh i'll be his second wife or his third wife or his fourth wife and it's easy to say that but it's not easy to be that so it's uh, it's it's it, it really it comes down to being, being honest, honest with yourself, with yourself. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, look, you know, brothers, Muslim men who are in polygynous marriages and in monogamous marriages, we're not always going to get it right. The fact that we're insan and that there's a sharia here to address it when we get things wrong, to right those wrongs. I just feel that sometimes an ideal Muslim man, the man upon the sunnah, the man who is like the prophet, those who truly emulate him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You know, th- these kind of things are presented to create a man that's actually a facade of someone who doesn't exist. And I think that's that that's an issue as well because you start creating someone who sounds heavenly like, like he doesn't sound this worldly. So what you've actually done is you've you've, you've set a precedence and a criteria for a man. So so a common one is is your is your husband just? Is he honest? Is he transparent? The point of the matter is that. Is it always required for him to be transparent, for him to be a good leader? We know that leaders don't always have to be transparent. They have to make judgment calls, times of war, times of diplomacy, times of invasion, times of peace, times of aggression, times of... There's so many different times where transparency is not always the right thing to do. Or honesty at that given time isn't the right thing to do. And being just has different manifestations. If you have a thousand pounds, and you have three wives, it doesn't necessarily mean that they all get £333.33 pence to be just. It could be, this, it could be the case that the wife who is financially more stable, whether it's her, her own wealth or whatever you're giving, she may not need as much as the other wife who's not financially as stable or comes from a different socioeconomic background. So I, I just feel, Sister Mecca, that some sisters who mean well and they want to support, they too want to coach, help with the trauma of jealousy and brothers getting married secretly and you know, these things happening they mean well wallahi they do mm-hmm. but i just find that some of the propositions and solutions that they're providing can be equally problematic You're, you 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 create an an ideal man that's not actually ideal and even if he was to tick those boxes of what an ideal man is there still be issues pertaining to jealousy that you've mentioned that is the most common thing and that's something that perhaps those sisters should tell sister, look, that's part and parcel of a polygynous marriage. It's part and parcel of a monogamous marriage sometimes. What I'm asking is that, should we just be fair in the way we present this issue of polygyny? Absolutely, absolutely. And just like you said that how men, you know, they may not get it right. Women, we have our issues too. We may not get it right as well. In monogamy or polygyny. So it's just a matter of being able to be honest. Again, like I said, being honest with yourself. And if you go into a monogamous marriage and you see that there's difficulties, those but but it's something that you're willing to work through depending on what it may be. The same things, that same energy could actually be applied when if 
if because not everybody's going to be able to be in a polygyny situation but if for some reason if polygyny is presented into your your family now you have to ask yourself uh, or you can try to apply that same energy just in a, a little different way because now you're dealing with something else you know but it can it could be something that you actually can work towards building something better and I always say that, you know, at least educate yourself to be able to have an understanding because a lot of times people are creating these facades to kind of put up a barrier to say, oh, this you can't you, you don't fit this bill. So this is not something that you can do or this is not not something that I'm going to even consider because, you know, this perfect person that may not exist is not, you know, I can't find anyone. So I'll just, you know, or, or or no one fits that bill. And sometimes women do that in monogamy, too. Like they have this ideal person or or man and all of these boxes that are like boxes of good, good traits. But is it realistic and ideal to, you know, to your current situation? Like, is it being realistic? And we have to ask ourselves. We have to be realistic, but also educated because a lot of times we're, we're going off of misinformed information, fear, fear, and again, misinformed information. Those, even though those things are like duplicated, there's a lot of people that know things about polygyny, but it may be the wrong things about polygyny. They may be about the people that practice polygyny, but not the actual practice of polygyny itself. And then the fear that they may subconsciously carry about it is based off of what they may have seen, experienced, heard, or possibly read about from other situations that obviously were not necessarily the best of situations. So sometimes creating this, 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 this checklist can be also a form of trying to protect yourself, you know, as far as that woman trying to protect herself. So we have to see it both ways. And, and I do want to just use this opportunity because what happens with these kind of podcasts that are related to polygyny and, and these kind of topics, it becomes very divisive because of what's happening in the wider society, in non-Muslim societies that we live in. We know that uh, the gender wars, the culture wars, you know, things have become very divisive towards men. That's why we have the, the Muslim feminists. We even have it now, Muslim feminazis versus uh, Akrite brothers. And we've got, literally, we have now been categorised in the same camps that non-Muslims are now having these culture wars between uh, genders and, and people of different classes. We Muslims are now very much part of that very divisive uh, uh, engagement. And I would want to take this opportunity to just speak to and so a bit of Nasia to some of our male listeners and viewers. Is that my dear brothers, you know, our sister Mecca has actually said uh, earlier on in the podcast, you know, when you get into a marriage, forget we'll get into polygyny soon, but once you get into a marriage, it's it's serious. When Allah tells us that we are qawamun over our, our families and our people and our and our and our wives and our families and our communities, it means that we are protectors. Right? And one of the attributes of, of being a man in Islam is to be fair and just and to take things seriously. Right? And you're dealing with people's lives here. Right? And then when you go into polygyny, you're not dealing with multiple people's lives and potentially children. It is not a light matter. So just because some sisters present the ideal man to be something that's unrealistic and dare I say even, you know, what was the word I'm looking for? Unrealistic and 
fantasy dream like that doesn't exist so we create something that's so ideal that it's never attainable but at the same time that doesn't mean we set our standards so low that we make a mockery in managing and dealing with people's lives and livelihoods and emotions and feelings and we have mothers and sisters and daughters and nieces and if we love them and care for them that should just be an example of how we would also want to navigate through a polygynous setup um, with care and sensitivity and, and, and leadership and responsibility would you think that's fair to say to the brothers absolutely absolutely i mean it we it, it, it takes two it literally takes two even though we're talking about polygyny it still takes two as far as from the men as well as the women to be able to do the work in order for it to be successful and realistically like thriving which it can um in our communities but it takes work and it takes a lot of like self-reflective work. Mm-hmm. Bringing the podcast to a close, um, when you look at the stories of the Ambiya, uh, many of the greatest prophets that have been mentioned, bar the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi were married, had multiple wives, were in polygynous marriages. Um, Ibrahim Alaihi Salam, Sulaiman Alaihi Salam, Dawood Alaihi Salam. Um, there were many other prophets. Uh, that had multiple wives and the Prophet later on in his life had multiple wives I believe correctly in in one time it was nine right? yes yes Um, many of the Khulafa al-Rashidin some of the companions the Ashad al-Mubashirin some of the greatest companions they had multiple wives and um, many of the greatest Islamic figures in our history whether they are scholars or military commanders caliphs um, wherever, wherever they are um, there's, there's there's a strong uh, precedent and premise for polygyny in our religion, in our tradition. Um, but even the mere conversation of this topic is being heavily censored within our own communities. The very, just, just merely conversing, we're not talking about lads having a joke and banter about it. You know, we know this, brothers always banter about polygyny. It's like one of the most bantered things about. But to even have an academic... Islamic conversation about this topic it, it triggers many sisters it triggers many single sisters which is what comes as both surprising it triggers it's just such a triggering conversation and then you just find yourself in a very polarized uh, you find yourself in a very polarized uh, situation where like okay so those who talk about polygyny are really just talking uh, it's basically like a smoke screen to basically say that they they want to get married again and they just are bored of their first wives and these are guys who are actually very childish very boyish they're not man enough to actually hold it down and then you've got others and, and then you get the brothers who basically more or less make takfir on the sisters as feminazis and stuff for even having these positions but it would be correct to say that the conversation of polygyny has been heavily censored to the extent where it's become perceived as anything it's basically perceived as haram without saying it's haram that's the truth of it the very fact that we have some sisters are willing for their husbands to commit zina and engage in zina just so that they are they are not dishonored have to deal with the shame of having to be known to have shared their husband this is by the way more common in certain cultures than others right i know that in some cultures it's actually not a big issue i'm primarily talking about south asians here who make up 65 to 70% of all muslims in the uk so people from india pakistan bangladesh there is a massive social stigma 
to polygyny, right? It's like it's seen as a dirty secret. It's seen as something you you don't do. Um, what would your advice be to sisters who have made this conversation like this, like it's something that's dirty? It's dirty. It's, it's dishonourable to women, and, and it's you know the very fact that we're ever conversing about this is belittling women and their trauma and and and, and their emotions and and the conversation. So it's become a minefield. It's become a minefield where I know ulama imams do not talk about it, actively dissuade and discourage their students of knowledge from talking about it because it's such a triggering topic. What would your advice be? To those sisters who have contributed knowingly or unknowingly towards making this conversation very divisive okay well first and foremost i would like to say that i understand your pain because in order for women or just people to have conversations on uh belittling and uh speaking down against and in in debatable ways as if it is not something that was permitted by Allah I understand your pain I do I do and there's a lot of misinformation that's out there that I'm quite sure it's not helpful what I would say to my dear beloved sisters is to become a little bit more open like why do you feel this way there's a reason why you feel this way i don't know if it was something that you saw experienced it was surrounding you you know it was taught but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right you know we have these examples and people say they like to debate well that was for rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is a different time you have to remember that his sunnah was for us to be able to have examples on how to practice, how to move, how to deal with things. He is our example. And yes, we may not necessarily be like him or the mothers of the believers, but we strive to be as much as we possibly can, as long as Allah allows us to be on this earth to breathe. So let's become more informed and educated. Not to practice it, but to be able to have a better understanding of it. So that way we're not a part of the problem. We're actually a part of the the process of, again, knowledge and understanding. Because just like you said, this is a topic. This is another reason why I do what I do. It is a topic that has been swept under the rug for too long. Is the reasons for a lot of the 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 hurtful situations and the ill behaviors that come along with some of the people that may practice polygyny whether it be from the man's perspective or even the women's perspective is because there is no informing there is no education there is no one talking about it and giving proper advice so you're leaving people up to themselves to do whatever it is that they wish and that may not necessarily be that which is right so my 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 advice to the sisters and the people is to let's become more educated. Let's start having those conversations. Let's stop being scared of something that Allah decreed to be permissible for those who can practice it. Because I always say this and I'll end on this. It may not polygyny may not be for everyone to practice, but it it, it is 
at least for everybody to have an education and understanding on on it so that way we can address one another and deal and work and be amongst one another and support one another in the best of ways that's going to be beautiful reminders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the end Sister Mecca, on that note, I want to say a big jazakallah khair and thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it was a great honor, a great pleasure, and I pray to Allah that He blesses you, your family, uh, the sisters in your, the, the co wives, your husband, your children with the best in this life and the next. I mean. I mean, I mean, I mean, and I thank you very much for this opportunity. And may Allah continue to bless you, your family, and your businesses with nothing but the best in this life and even better in the hereafter. Allahumma ameen. Ameen, Ya Rab. Jazakallah khairan. Brothers and sisters, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed and benefited today's episode as much as I did. There was a lot uh, I learned from Sister Mecca. And uh, she has a very interesting and complex task at hand and I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that other sisters uh, can take from the experiences that she shared uh, in being able to help the healing process, the educational process and similarly with brothers realizing that beyond the intra-brotherly banter the issue of polygyny is a serious issue, it's as serious as any other monogamous marriage you're dealing with people's lives and livelihoods and responsibilities the point of marriage, this isn't a joke it isn't a joke thing and it's something that has rules and stipulations and a framework within our religion and our tradition and we need to work within that. Um, and I hope that you all were able to extract and take that away from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode uh, on YouTube, remember to click subscribe, like the video and leave a comment. And of course, if you are tuning in on all the major audio platforms, you just need to search Blood Brothers. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Blood Brothers Podcast, a five pillars production. production.